from Altoona to Lebanon, Saxonburg to Erie, this is Lincoln Radio Journal. On this edition, policy battles begin at the local level with citizens organizing and educating themselves on the critical issues of the day. The Shield of Truth Network is one such organization. To learn more, we talk with Dr. Doug Pfeiffer. In the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, affordable housing has become a growing problem. Joe Geiger talks about it with Scott Shewell of Safe Harbor in this week's Community Benefit Spotlight. And the current session of the Pennsylvania Legislature will come to an end in a few weeks with major criminal justice reform measures still to be considered. Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania has a Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. I'm Loman Henry, and welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. We'll get to Doug Pfeiffer from the Shield of Truth Network in just a couple of minutes, but first, news headlines from patownhall.com. The U.S. Supreme Court's Dobbs decision sending abortion policy back to the states has been viewed as politically advantageous for pro-abortion advocates. But this past week, thousands descended on the west steps of the state capitol building in Harrisburg to celebrate the decision overturning Roe v. Wade. The second annual March for Life dwarfed a pro-abortion rally the next day, which was attended by less than 100 people. Despite the court ruling, nothing has changed in Pennsylvania, where most abortions remain legal up until the 24th week of pregnancy. A new report from the Commonwealth Foundation finds that Pennsylvania is lagging behind the rest of the nation in economic recovery from the COVID-19 pandemic. The Center Square reports that data shows continuation of a trend of declining but higher than average unemployment and higher prices than a year ago due to inflation. The national unemployment rate is 3.7 percent, while Pennsylvania's unemployment rate is 4.2 percent. As the Federal Reserve continues hiking interest rates, the economy is expected to cool and hiring slow. Nathan Benefield of the Commonwealth Foundation said, quote, controlling government spending is the first step towards slowing inflation and regulatory reforms are needed to boost the state's economy. Broad and Liberty has published an investigative report which found a number of Pennsylvania lawmakers hold outside jobs and are being paid by entities that stand to benefit from their votes in Harrisburg. As an example, the report cites a law firm in southeastern Pennsylvania that represents multiple school districts. The firm lists a number of lawmakers as of counsel. Those lawmakers, of course, vote on issues affecting public schools, including funding. Among the lawmakers being paid by the firm is House Democratic Appropriations Chair Matt Bradford, who, along with the other legislators employed by the firm, voted to increase funding to the school districts they represent. You can read the full article at broadendliberty.com and read about all things Pennsylvania at patownhall.com. Citizen activism is the bedrock of our republic, and despite efforts by the left to paint constitutional conservatives in a negative light, the reality is that citizens educating and organizing to advocate for critical issues is what makes our nation vibrant. The Shield of Truth Network is one such organization dedicated to advancing public policies based on biblical and constitutional principles through education and action. Dr. Doug Pfeiffer is founder and president of the Shield of Truth Network, 
He joins us now for a discussion. Doug, welcome to Lincoln Radio Journal. Doug, the Shield of Truth Network, tell us a little bit about your organization. What was the impetus for founding it and the principles upon which it was founded? And what is it you're attempting to accomplish? Well, thank you for having me today. And basically, the organization started, I like to say, out of frustration. The frustration that I saw with many who were kind of confused and upset over what they saw occurring in our constitutional republic. And I would see people get together, They, whether it was two or a group, and they'd, they'd discuss what they saw happening. And I'd see their uh, hear their voices ramping up and seeing them becoming more and more viscerally concerned and upset about what they saw happening. And then they would walk away from one another, totally upset with no, no answers, no way to combat what was occurring. So I said, one of the things that I saw happening at that time was the opposition was trying to divide us and keep us divided. And this is something that we've seen happen over and over again with situations like what we're experiencing right now, which have happened many times in in the history of this world, really. So I said, we have to find a way to bring people together, number one, to give them a common cause to come together around. And number two, to give them answers. We see many, many people out there in the media and and online that are telling us things that are wrong, but they're not giving us any solutions. So one of my goals and objectives with the organization was to give people a place to come together to get information to get true information, which, as you know, is very difficult to discern nowadays, and to also give them action steps or answers or plans or things that can be done. So that was really the impetus for forming the Shield of Truth Network. And then beyond that, we needed to have our our foundations. What, what was this organization going to be based upon? Well, you know, being a Christian myself, thinking that that our most important tenet for this organization would be the biblical foundation. So we felt strongly about that fact because our biblical laws are really what our our laws of this nation have been built upon, in my opinion. So that was our number one tenet. Our second tenet was the Constitution or our laws in this country and what the rule of law is based on is our constitution. So I felt that that, or we felt that that needed to be our second tenet. So we built a framework around STN relative to the constitution. And the last tenet, as uh, I have done through my whole career, is to assist in educating, in my case, my patients, but in this case, our membership about the truth, what we could discern relative to what was occurring, and then to give them action steps to be able to take some form of uh, positive action against what we were learning and seeing in this educational component. So I call that our educational keystone. It kind of locks everything together. So that's really where we came from and what the decision was relative to what we were building with the organization. Interesting. You mentioned two founding principles to your organization, that based on biblical Christianity and also the Constitution. Doug, what we're seeing now is the left is attempting to use those particular traits of organizations against them. And they've come up with this term Christian nationalist, which they mean that as a negative. They mean it as a pejorative. But let's break that down a bit. Christian, obviously, 
Is being a Christian a bad thing? Nationalist means you're a patriotic American. I always thought that was a good thing. What do you take of this effort to take that term Christian nationalist and try to put Christians and conservatives and constitutionalists on the defensive? Well, and that's the unfortunate part. It is an attempt to put us on the defensive. It's also an attempt to divide us. The divisive nature of what I see going on in this country, we just saw it with the uh, speech from Mr. Biden with his red background. I mean, that was also an attempt to divide people. There are multiple ways that we have seen through this whole pandemic period and beyond to be able to divide us. And again, this is one of the principles that I felt so strongly about was uniting people. When we're divided, there's little we can do and there's no fear of us. When we're united, we create a a consensus, a, a group that can move forward with making change. So I think to your point, this is just another way to label us and to divide us and to make us in some ways the problem. Again, getting back to history, we've seen this done over and over again, and it has to be done to be able to divide and create chaos. So I think it's just another attempt they're using to be able to drive a wedge, to keep us from being able, and and also to distract us. When I started the organization, I talked to to our members in in a meeting about how we're always, look at the shiny ball over here. This is a technique while I'm doing this over here. My parents, my parents were amateur magicians and I grew grew up with that distraction in that, uh, in that vein, you know, look over here and I'm putting my hand in my pocket over here and you're not supposed to see that. It's another way of doing that as well to distract us and deflect us from some of the really important things that are occurring right now that we should be aware of. We are talking with Dr. Doug Pfeiffer. He is president and founder of the Shield of Truth Network. And Doug, grassroots activism is very important. We have seen a surge of that among both the left and the right, actually, in recent years. But talk a little bit about the importance of, as former House Speaker Tip O'Neill once said, all politics is local. Your organization starts at the local level, but it grows upward from there, does it not? Well, and that is our intention. We're relatively young. We've been incorporated, and we're a uh, nonprofit now, and we've been incorporated for about two and a half, two years, two and a half years. And so the intent is to spread this across the Commonwealth, across the country. I've got individuals in various states around the country that are, I just had a, (laughs) it's interesting you say that, I just had a text message from an individual in California. Our group is putting on a program tomorrow night about fermenting foods. We try to teach people how to uh, prepare for different things and to to be ready for whatever's coming and be as self-sufficient as possible. So I got this text message to see if they were going to be live streaming it so she could she could watch it. So we've got interest now across the country and in, in our organization and in what we're doing. And one of the important things too is that we have committees that are focused on specific topics like our homeschooling committee. And on our website we have a great deal of information from the homeschooling committee because people who are kind of fed up with what's going on in the uh, in the public school system are looking for alternatives. Well, there's a lot of information and resources on our resource page of our website that, that can help these people. So this is, again, getting back to the tenets. This is part of the educational component. We want to get that word out there and help people, give them answers, and give them some solutions for what they're doing. 
Speaking of the educational component of your organization, Doug, you have coming up here soon a Young Entrepreneurs Fair. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's something that our homeschooling committee came up with in an attempt to help younger individuals to learn what uh, the entrepreneurial spirit truly is in this country and why the freedoms that we have are uh, have for, for generations. My great-grandparents came here. My great-grandfather started his own business. This has been the, the shining light in our country and the attraction for individuals around the world. So we want to help these young people to understand that they can make it. The, the American dream is still alive. And so we had uh, the homeschooling committee come to us and, and say that they'd like to put this program on and be able to give awards for the best uh, entrepreneurial idea, and they have to put together a whole program on marketing, etc. And it's funny because I said to them when they gave the presentation, I said, now, are we going to give awards to everybody or just the people who are doing the best job? And uh, I got a little chuckle out of that from them. But, you know, I mean, this is important. It's, It's critical that we take our young people and help them to understand what this country was founded on, the freedoms that we have have and why people are coming here on mass and have over the generations to be able to flourish and grow and prosper and improve themselves and build a business that can be passed down in many instances from generation to generation. So we feel strongly about these things. And we were so happy and proud to see that the homeschooling committee came up with this idea. They had the marketing plan together and they're, they're in process with putting this together, utilizing some of the churches in the area as well. And you also have a Fall Freedom Festival coming up. We do. And we have some wonderful speakers. We have one in particular who is a a local pastor who's going to talk to us about living in faith, not fear. Fear is something, unfortunately, that is pervasive right now, especially since the whole pandemic uh, situation. And he's a wonderful, uh, wonderful man, and he's going to be laying it on the line so people understand what's going on and why they have to. We have to hang on to the rock. We have to turn to our biblical foundation to be able to get through these times. We have been talking with Dr. Doug Pfeiffer. He is founder and president of the Shield of Truth Network. Doug, if we have listeners who would like to learn more about your organization, perhaps get involved, where can they go on the web, Facebook, however, to get in touch with you? The website is shieldoftruthnetwork.org, and we are on Facebook and Twitter. We're on everything. But if you just go on Facebook and put in Shield of Truth Network, I'm sure it'll come up. You can access our website, and there's a lot of great information. Dr. Doug Pfeiffer from the Shield of Truth Network. Doug, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Affordable housing is a problem even in counties which are growing in population. To learn more, Joe Geiger has Scott Shewell, president and CEO of Safe Harbor, in the Community Benefit Spotlight. Thank you, Loman, and thank you, Scott, for being a guest on the Lincoln Radio Program. Thanks for having me today. So, Scott, you're president and CEO of an organization called Safe Harbor, working with homeless people and nearly homeless children and adults. Tell us a little bit about your organization. Well, we provide supportive services and housing for homeless and nearly homeless individuals and families in Cumberland County and beyond. We have short-term and long-term emergency shelter. We also have permanent housing options. Some of them are HUD programs. Some of them are just low income for those 
who are possibly disabled or not making a significant amount of money, even though they might be employed. Overall, we have about 53 units of housing right now. We're looking to expand that in the near future. You know, there's talk that Cumberland County may be one of the best places in the country to live these days. There's a lot of traffic moving that way. One might be surprised to hear there are homeless needs in that that county. Well, the needs arise from the fact that Cumberland County is so popular. First, the county was the fastest growing county in the Commonwealth in the last census. The only county to grow by double digits, 10.3% between 2010-2020. And that popularity puts significant pressure on housing stock, and that puts significant pressure on rental stock. Folks might be surprised to know that in the month of June, statistics from the greater Harrisburg area area realtors showed that the average home sale price in Cumberland County for units sold in the month of June was over $330,000. That's a significant amount of money. And when that happens, it puts pressure on, first, low affordable housing, which becomes scarce because people can get significant amounts to sell their residence. Then that also puts pressure on the rental market. And the rental market has seen a significant amount of pressure in the last three years based on just the pandemic alone, let alone economic issues. Um, And many folks now are facing what the terminology is financial eviction, where landlords are raising the rent, one, because of inflation, two, to make up for lost revenue that they lost during the pandemic, and three, because many smaller mom-and-pop-type landlords have been selling their rental units to larger corporate landlords who are looking to maximize their investment in these properties by raising rent significant amount of money. So folks are being told that their leases are being renewed, but for upwards of 200 to $500 more a month than they're currently paying, and there's just no way that they're able to afford that. There is what's called the Coordinated Entry Community Queue. This is a HUD-based program where folks who are homeless or about to become homeless dial into Pennsylvania 211 helpline and speak with a caseworker who helps them get on this queue. In Cumberland County, within the last month, the number of households on that community queue was 255. That comprises 495 individuals, of which about 140 are children. That is probably the highest we've seen in the last three years, even pre-pandemic. And about 116 of that 255 household number are literally unsheltered. That means they're sleeping in cars, they're sleeping in tents, they're in underpasses, they're somewhere where they are not safe but trying to exist. This is Joe Geiger in the Lincoln Radio Program. My guest today is Scott Shule the president and CEO of Safe Harbor. So, Scott, when somebody comes into your program, what are the benefits for them? What, how, how do you make a difference in their life? Our goal is to really help them first calm the chaos in their life from being homeless and then provide them with a stable foundation with which they can build upon to hopefully then return to society as a productive human being. So we offer supportive services such as life skills training, parenting groups, We also work with other nonprofit organizations here in Cumberland County to provide them with employment skills training, provide them with health care, mental health care, treatment for addiction issues, and all of those other things that go with the reasons why they might be homeless. Scott, how did your program, your organization, 
like and similar or different than other organizations serving homeless people? Well, we're very similar to a number of other organizations here in Cumberland County who we work very closely with on nearly a daily basis. So, and I like to say that we have complementary missions. The way we complement each other is we help those who are in need, either needing housing or needing food. So we work with Community Cares, who offers a, an overnight shelter for individuals. They also have a family shelter in Shippensburg for families. We work with Salvation Army of Carlisle, who also offers residential and overnight shelter. We also work with Domestic Violence Services of Cumberland and Perry Counties, which offers shelter and services for those who are fleeing domestic violence. And then we also work with an organization here in the county called Project Share, which is a local food bank. Now, I understand that your program opened doors three decades ago, and you've served thousands of people since its opening in the historic former hotel in downtown Carlisle. Tell us a little bit about the facility. Our main facility is the James Wilson facility. It used to be known as the James Wilson Hotel. It was the hotel until 1985, and we've traced its history back to the mid to late 1800s, and it's had various incarnations. It started out as the Mansion House Hotel, was the Hotel Argonne for a while in the 20s, uh, the Carlisle Hotel, and finally the James Wilson Hotel. By 1985, it basically had become Flop House. The county took possession. They worked with a number of concerned citizens in the community who knew that folks were in need of housing. And they formed what was then called the Cumberland County Coalition for Shelter. So we opened our doors in June of 1986, offering what was then transitional housing or long-term emergency shelter. And we have evolved since then to offer, again, short-term, long-term emergency shelter as well as permanent housing, housing options. Scott, if somebody listening to the program wants to contact you to make a contribution or volunteer, how can they find you? Well, there are a number of ways. We are on the Internet at safeharbor.org, and harbor is spelled H-A-R-B-O-U-R, so it is the European spelling. So safeharbor.org is our website. You can go there to donate. We're also on Facebook at Safe Harbor, Inc., I-N-C. This is Joe Geiger on the Lincoln Radio Program. My guest today is Scott Shul, the president and CEO of an organization named Safe Harbor in Cumberland County and beyond. Back to you, Loman. A number of reform measures designed to improve the criminal justice system and enhance policing remain bottled up in the state legislature as the end of the session nears. Ashley Klingensmith from Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania talks about it on this Lincoln Radio Journal commentary. The increase our country experienced in homicides between 2019 and 2020 was the largest single-year increase in U.S. history. Other crimes like aggravated assault and vehicle thefts also skyrocketed across the country. The CBS Evening News ran a series this summer entitled Crime Without Punishment. In the story, CBS correspondent Jim Axelrod joins the Philadelphia Police Department and asks the question, why do so many murders now go unsolved? In 2021, Philadelphia recorded 562 homicides, about 11 each week. As of the airing of the segment this summer, only half of those had been solved. In the 1960s, police solved eight out of every ten murder cases in America. And today, it's barely one in two. The theme from the detectives interviewed in the piece is namely one thing. 
the volume. What Chiefs Nationwide told Axelrod was that the breakdown between police and communities of color is hindering murder investigations most. Danielle Outlaw, the commissioner of the Philadelphia Police Department, noted the police need the community's help and knows that it must be earned. Well, policing practices build community trust and collaboration. And we know that community trust can grow when the police act as peace officers and do focus their resources on preventing and solving serious crimes. A number of conservative and business community allies called on House leaders to run Senate Judiciary Chairwoman Lisa Baker's comprehensive probation reform legislation. Present at the press conference was the American Conservative Union, Americans for Prosperity, Commonwealth Foundation, Faith and Freedom Coalition, York County District Attorney Dave Sunday, and the Chamber of Business and Industry. Senate Bill 913, Comprehensive Probation Reform, was sent to the House in December after a nearly unanimous vote in the Senate. In Pennsylvania, the current probation system strains law enforcement resources. More than half of the individuals admitted to our prisons are there for violations of probation or parole, but many aren't criminal violations in any way. The legislation properly balances the equally important interests of corrections, the victim, the offender, and the commonwealth at large by establishing a system of graduated sanctions for those who violate other terms of supervision and ensures that our limited resources are actually focused on those who commit new crimes. One reform the House did advance to the Senate was House Bill 1419, which memorializes the best practices for law enforcement to utilize when working with incarcerated women. The legislation passed the House unanimously, with a clear signal from members across the political divide that care and concern for sensitive prison populations and the law enforcement who works with them is paramount. A reform we'll be working on next session in coordination with the Innocence Project is a mandate for the electronic recording of police interrogations. False confessions have led to 30% of wrongful convictions nationwide, 15 right here in PA. Americans for Prosperity has teamed up with Jerron Smith, former special assistant to President Trump, and a coalition of other law enforcement and center-right groups to launch an effort to elevate solutions that can reduce violent crime in communities of all types. This public safety coalition is advocating for four basic and common sense principles. First, we must properly fund law enforcement. Second, our laws must refocus police on preventing and solving serious crimes. Third, cities should adopt evidence-based policies that reduce violent crime. And fourth, states should continue to adopt smart-on-crime policies. I'm Ashley Klingen-Smith, State Director with Americans for Prosperity Pennsylvania. Keep up to date with what our team's working on under the domes in both D.C. and Harrisburg by liking us on Facebook, by searching at P-A-A-F-P, and by following us on Twitter at at A-F-P Pennsylvania.
If you miss hearing Lincoln Radio Journal on your favorite radio station, audio of our complete program is available on our websites, lincolnradiojournal.com and lincolninstitute.org. For 27 years, Lincoln Radio Journal has been heard on public affairs-minded radio stations throughout the Commonwealth, including WFRMAM in Countersport, WFYLAM in Jeffersonville, along with WIOOFM and Red 102.3 in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. The Lincoln Radio Journal is produced weekly by the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. The Lincoln Institute is completely funded through the generosity of individuals, corporations, and philanthropic foundations, including the Allegheny Foundation of Pittsburgh, the Houston Foundation of Coatesville, and the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, all of whom have helped to underwrite the costs of this program. Lincoln Radio Journal is a trademark of the Lincoln Institute of Public Opinion Research, Incorporated. Comments and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Lincoln Institute or of this radio station. From the Lincoln Broadcast Center in Harrisburg, I'm Loman Henry. Thank you for listening to Pennsylvania's most widely broadcast public affairs radio program, Lincoln Radio Journal, plug into the pulse of Pennsylvania.